0: Just looking at the five biggest investment banks, you know, they paid out 142 billion dollars in compensation in 2021, which by the way was only 18 billion behind 2020. So it's actually two extraordinary bonus and compensation years back to back after a stay at home order pandemic, which has released this buying power. So it is uh, it is astounding how much real estate has traded.
1: Welcome to Deconstruct. I'm your host, Isabella Farr. And today, Susanna Cavanaugh chats with TRD reporter Joe Lovinger about Wall Street. Financial workers have banked incredible bonuses throughout the pandemic. And where are they spending that newfound cash? Yep. On real estate. So Joe, who's one of our journalists covering New York, has spent the last month reporting the story about how banks' performance throughout the pandemic is finally hitting the housing market. He spoke with a bunch of brokers to get the scoop, and you heard from one of them at the top.
2: Stan Ponty, welcome to Deconstruct. Joseph, great to talk to you.
1: Those numbers that Stan hit on come from a Wall Street Journal analysis. If we roll it back to 2020, you may remember that banks had a pretty stellar year, despite the pandemic. The journal reported that global investment banking revenue would reach $188 billion in 2020, blowing past the $150 bill that banks pulled in 2019. But as far as bonuses went, the optics of shelling out big bucks to bankers while mom and pops on Main Street were struggling wasn't so great. Still, bankers didn't exactly take a cut. The state comptroller reported that bonuses rose about 10% in 2020 to an average of $184,000 per employee just for bonuses, it's not too shabby. Then comes 2021. The markets are still doing well, as are banks, but workers are raking in even bigger bonuses than what their performances reflect. Let's look at JP Morgan, which was the most generous bank of the top five bunch. Revenue in 2021 rose by just shy of 2% compared to 2020. Yeah, the journal reported that bonuses jumped by 13% in the same period.
2: Yeah, well, so on Wall Street, bonuses are already a huge part of an employee's overall compensation. They'll routinely break 100% of their salary. So bonuses were already huge. And then I spoke with Alan Johnson, who runs Johnson Associates. It's a compensation consultancy. He estimates that bonuses are up about 15% just from last year, which were already up From the year before in a normal year and then also it's worth mentioning that a lot of top executives get their bonuses not just in cash but also stock and that means that some of these bonuses that they received a few years ago now the stocks are worth so much more than they were when they received them because of how well the market's performing and so now that they're vesting they're actually taking home way more money than they even initially were supposed to
1: so is that money is it going to everyone or is it just people in positions that are higher up
2: It's funny. One broker told me that even the the bankers who aren't very good at their jobs are telling him like, yeah, I'm getting a huge bonus this year. Like it's just at the top six banks on Wall Street this year, pre-tax profits were double what they were last year. That is like an unbelievable amount of money that they're taking in. And at the same time, we've seen the great resignation. A lot of people quitting their job because of the pandemic, reassessing their life priorities. Talent is really thinning on Wall Street compensation expenses went up about 12%, meaning banks are paying their their people 12% more. Um, At the same time, staffing only went up 1%. We saw churn rate at these banks hit 10%. In some cases, like Goldman Sachs, it was 15%. That's the same place where famously they gave junior employees snack boxes because they complained that they were working 80-hour weeks and, and they couldn't handle it. So yeah, there's just been like this huge competition for talent. And at the same time, profits are so huge that everybody is getting huge bonuses just because banks are scrambling to keep any talent they can get
1: the crux of your piece is that these folks are spending their money on real estate so how did you figure that out exactly
2: every broker i talked to they were like First of all, we always love spring. In New York, finance and real estate are just like best friends. And this, is, this isn't this is just this year. It's always bonus season, bonus season. It always, at the start of the year, you get upgrades, you get all of that stuff. Often, just one year of bonuses isn't really enough to fully upgrade your house because you will have higher taxes. You have all sorts of new expenses that you have to be able to afford. And so in the second year of 2022 now, we're really starting to see these big bonuses come into play. We have seen also a lot of these bankers that knew just from looking at all of these market indicators, they knew months ago that they were going to be getting these great bonuses. So they already started to consider what they wanted to do. And so now that the cash is actually coming in, now they're gonna be able to spend it. When I started calling around to other brokers, They were describing some really remarkable transactions that they were dealing with. And they were saying, this is not like the normal year. You're getting first-time buyers with $7 million starting prices.
1: How does that compare to what people would have spent before? Like, were they looking in the millions?
2: A lot of those buyers, particularly these first-time home buyers with huge budgets, they're in an interesting position because they might have been in college during the Great Recession, which is the last time that bonuses were this high, around 2009. So they've weathered these tough couple of years with just good bonuses. And so now they're really seeing the mega compensation packages that really only the older generation of bankers has seen. It's opening up a whole world of possibilities for them. There have been a ton of stories of bankers who are like early thirties, maybe they have one kid or something and they've been renting their whole time in New York. And now they're ready to really buy.
0: Just over the past 48 hours, I am working with longtime clients of mine who have lived downtown, who have loved the bustling vibrancy of a Soho cobblestone street in a penthouse with a big terrace and an outdoor hot tub, who are now looking towards the future. Is that the right location? Is it the right layout to raise a young family?
2: You also get, the broker called it a show-off apartment where it's like the same thing. It's an opportunity for them to really like assert themselves as well-heeled buyers in their own right. It's also opening the door for people to expand their home. They might be already in a nice building, right? You have 15 and 35 Hudson yards. I have a couple of examples in this story of people who didn't want to leave the building. They just wanted a bigger apartment in the buildings.
1: Okay. So what markets are they hunting in? Because I know that in Fidei, not all of those folks are back in the office. So is Manhattan still desirable or are they spreading their search to other surrounding suburbs?
2: You know, people are buying all over. I was talking to one broker who was saying a client of his told him that he heard there's some value in Brooklyn, which is like a, you know, hilarious, you know, there's been value in Brooklyn for years and years. But it illustrates the point that it used to be that bankers would generally live on either the Upper East Side or maybe Fidei or the suburbs. But now we're really seeing action. In Brooklyn, there are some of these new developments that are coming up that are Manhattan quality luxury buildings with Manhattan prices. One of my particular favorite genre of Wall Street bonus purchases that I've seen are things called grandparent compounds that have become very popular in places like Fairfield County in Connecticut and Westchester, where you have these older bankers who are maybe aging out of the workforce and they aren't coming into the city as much because they can work from home. And so instead, what they do is they buy a 10,000 or 15,000 square foot mansion with a huge yard or maybe it's on the beach or a lake and the idea is that their kids and their grandkids can then come visit them And the family can all be close, but not too close. They still have their own bedrooms. They still have their own bathrooms. So those have become very popular in the suburbs.
1: I do feel like from rentals to normal homes to luxury homes, it's just everything is incredibly hot. Taking that in mind, why are bankers, people who work on Wall Street, still willing to step into the market when it's so competitive?
2: It seems like a real nightmare to be buying a home right now, for sure. It's funny because there's all of this good news on Wall Street. But at the same time, there's also a lot of anxiety, whether it's right interest rates or geopolitical concerns, inflation potentially, there are all sorts of these forces that are nudging bankers that are basically like, yeah, you've got all of this cash right now, but we don't know how long this party's going to last.
0: Right now is the best time to buy real estate since I've been in this business. And it's for one simple reason. The buyers want to buy and the sellers want to sell. And so everyone is agreeing to agree. And when everyone agrees to agree, more trades happen, more people are happy and life continues on because real estate's only one portion of everyone's home, health, happiness, safety.
2: Being given a huge chunk of cash enables these bankers to get the upper hand in in tight negotiations for a house they can bid all cash they can afford to bid on a fixer-upper because they have the money now to renovate it and they can afford to keep their old apartment and live in there while they're doing the renovations in the new place
1: yeah i feel like that would be a huge advantage you could even compete with those private equity firms that are just like we have an all-cash offer and they're like well i have an all-cash offer too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, it's it's a good problem to have, I think.
1: We talked a little bit about the stock market and whether or not these different threats to it are going to impact its performance in the near term. So we have the invasion of Ukraine and also inflation and also an impending interest rate hike or hikes. So what does that anxiety look like among people who work on Wall Street? What's the window I guess they see as their chance to buy a home before maybe things turn
2: south? Well, so I think this would be a good chance for the quote from Stan about his crystal ball.
0: The one thing I'm not allowed to do is get my crystal ball out, but I have a perfect one. (laughs) Everyone always says their crystal ball doesn't work. Mine works perfectly. The, The real answer is that for the moment, the energy is for sellers to actually want to sell now because they know they can. And to the extent that the future markets may either be better or worse, buyers and sellers have accepted the market we're in and decided to act.
1: Going off of that, do you see the spending spree continuing or will there be a point where prices become too high or the competition too tight? Like I know we're seeing bidding wars. I wonder when people will actually be like, I don't <laughs> I don't want to deal with that.
2: Well, that's the tricky thing about, about real estate is that everyone needs somewhere to live. And as long as these guys have the money to pursue their dreams, whether it's living in a better neighborhood or having a spare bedroom, they're going to continue to do it. There are some worries that the pipeline in new development is just, it's so thin right now. There's just really between high construction costs and difficulty of building in New York. There just aren't that many new high quality luxury apartments coming online in the next couple of years. And it takes a few years to build. So even if developers were to look at these conditions and say, wow, I, should, I really wish I had new apartments to sell. I should build some. They won't be available for three years at minimum. You know, every, everyone I've spoken to seems to think that something has to give at a certain point. But what that thing is and when that shoe is going to drop, that's still anybody's, anybody's question to answer.
1: Deconstruct airs every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Or you can listen at therealdeal.com. For comments on this episode or on the series, or if you have an idea you'd like to share, feel free to reach us at podcasts at therealdeal.com. Next week, we're breaking down the Fed's decision to hike interest rates and how that will impact investors. Tune in then.